episode 10. What are you on the toilet? I was <laughs> <laughs> sipping some coffee in a gross manner. Sipping and slurping. So, Matt, you had a busy week, I'm guessing, right? Yeah, man. I hate it. Why do you hate it? It's just been moving, 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 moving. Nothing else. Like moving into the new shop or busy moving yeah. work? Oh, yeah, moving the, sh the, the shops. Like, oh. It's terrible. It was going to be awesome when terrible. it's finished. Yeah, it will be, but like, it's at, a, at its worst now, you know? You have production starting again and. Like half of the shit you you need is in the old location, and the other half is in a new location, and it's just terrible. So when you go to the shop, do you like do what I would do and go in, start a project, and halfway through, like do fifty other things at the same time? Yeah, and then yeah. forget all the other fifty things that you need to do, and then yeah. do it. Yeah, it's a uh, rough. <laughs> Let's keep it at that. What about you? Uh, my week, I was that last episode with the Salzburg boys there. We had a yeah. little bit of, of like bumping noises or hitting the microphone or something from one of them. There was a lot of editing, so I spent a lot of time editing the last episode. But I think it was worth it. It was a good one. How, how much time did you spend on it? Poof, uh, that's tough. I don't know. Like probably six hours. Like, Jesus. <laughs> you need to send those fuckers an invoice. <laughs> Now, I kind of let it run in the background while I'm doing something, and then when I, if I hear something, I go back and try to take some things out. But oh, yeah. yeah. It'd be nice to have an episode where we don't have to edit. Yeah, that would be nice. We have a guest with a very professional setup, so... I hope it should so. should be good. Mm -hmm. Hey, before before we start, I gotta... Um, do you know what the Near Rock is? Like he he makes like yeah 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 hammers, hammers. and and reamers and scribes and stuff. Yeah, uh, I got I got a new reamer in yesterday that showed up with the. Uh, have you seen like how he does the knurling on the handles of them? Some of them are like yeah, all the middle up, fingers and like stuff. X's or middle fingers. Or, yeah, I got the one with the middle fingers on it. The thing is awesome. And I got oh, the uh, nice, man. the original scribe a long time ago. Are you gonna but use it? Yeah, I use them both. I really like the scribe because it comes to like a super fine point on it. Hmm. Those were kind Epic. Of it's kind of a fancy tool, like like the one that it, you would want to use. Yeah, you got to use your shit sure. when you buy them. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And if it, if something happens to it, send it back. He'll fix them for you. Really? Yep. Where is he located? It says, it says lifetime. Uh. Oh, so you buy it once. You buy it once, cry once, yeah. I can't remember right now. I think he's in, uh, hmm. is that Gamico? Is it in the UK? Or? No, it's not the UK. No, I think it's uh, Australia. Australia, that's right, yeah. 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 So, okay. uh, this is your guest tonight. I'm, I don't know him that well, so I think... It is my guest. It you is uh, Mr. Uh, yeah, Mr. Jeroen Knippenberg. That's the English version. This is the yeah. Unmute and go. Yeah. Welcome, man. Good evening, guys. 
Thanks hey, for the invite, Matt, to to be on your show. Looking looking forward to just talk some knives, and we'll we'll see what uh, what happens. Yeah, man. Pretty excited about this one. <laughs> that, that, that's that's good to hear. Yeah, we're uh, we're in an uh, like in a WhatsApp group with uh, several other makers and stuff, and uh, I found a nickname for uh, for Jeroen. It's, it's I call him Doctor Jeroen Knippenberg. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure if I deserve that title yet, but uh, well, try try to be helpful. Yeah, he definitely is. So, how was your week? Yeah, well, busy, busy as well. I just I rounded up some some forging earlier on in the week on uh, two blades I'm working on. So, two more uh, Damascus integral knives. And well, whenever I do some forging, then it's a couple of weeks, and then everything really looks like shit and is covered in dust, etc. So, then I need to clean it up all again. And um, yeah, also doing um, quite some preparations for a symposium I'm organizing. It's actually this weekend. So we're getting, uh, doing the last things that need to be done there. What's, the, what's the official name again for, for the symposium? It's a Dutch Knife Maker Symposium. No, sorry, Dutch Symposium for Knife Makers. DSK. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the first round, right? The first time. Yeah. Yeah, so that's something I, um, well, I think I, I was thinking about that about a year ago. And, well, the most shows we have around here, well, of course, you meet other makers, but they mostly focus on selling stuff and there are a lot of customers. But I think it's, yeah, there's a lot to be learned from knife makers. They can learn from each other. So this is an event that's really for makers only, at least at the, at the moment. And it's See, all this about is why, learning, this is uh, why I was not invited, Keith. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you yeah. made one knife, so you're a maker, right? No, no, it doesn't work like that. I've I've made like potatoes. Am I now? I'm not a cook. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that actually is quite quite cool. There's some very experienced makers, but also quite some new and all in between. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to how everyone will react and my intention is to make it well at least a yearly event or at least to repeat it in the future but yeah we'll, i think we'll it's see. a very cool idea very very cool idea and what's the idea is it some kind of a um like a contest or like we no, it's, said moving up no it's been yeah i call it a symposium and it's something for makers to share their knowledge and their experience and mm-hmm. to okay. learn from each other so we have about uh, 30 makers in there, um, which all have a place to show their work. And um, there are, I think, uh, six speakers who do, uh, let's say, a detailed presentation on something they're really, really good at mm-hmm. to get some more in-depth in knowledge. And that's, so the, yeah. So there's nobody selling knives? No, no, it's, it's not like it's, that kind of. It's, it's, just, it's not for selling. It's, it's more like like sharing knowledge and yeah, yep. um, pretty awesome. Uh, so you got to get invited to those, right? Yeah, no. Well, I on I on the forum and on Instagram. Well, I basically promoted a bit, and every knife maker could uh, well could subscribe. Mm-hmm. And um, 
yeah so it it filled up rather quickly so i was happy that i get to fill all the places i i had because that's that's always the question when you when you start up first <coughs> yeah. an event like this yeah but you go this year and then you get a like uh, on top of the list for next year's invites yeah i think so uh, we have to look at what we can do for next year if we make it bigger and mm-hmm. actually i would like to see to have it uh in the future not just presentations lectures but also demonstrations and stuff like that that would Ooh. be really cool and i think in, in other countries you have that a lot more so in yeah, especially America, like, in america and the yeah UK. exactly yeah, yeah. like hammer in so we call it yeah yeah and what it, about in germany uh keith i don't i don't live in germany so i wouldn't know you, yes but, you do but <laughs> <laughs> But you know, here in Austria, I don't know of any like that. I mean, there's some makers that don't live far apart from each other, and they kind of get together every once in a while. But as for like a hammer in type thing, yeah, 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 which is also pretty awesome, by the way. Yeah, and you know what I, I like? It's such a waste that I think they're quite some good makers in the Netherlands, but I have the feeling that they're quite separate from each other. Maybe some small groups. But it's yeah. Everyone who starts new is basically just trying to invent the wheel again, and that's yeah, that's a pity. It's not really like a community type type thing. And the first time, like like actually since um, like that, everyone that's in that WhatsApp group. Um, that's the first time I actually felt like a kind of a community type thing. In um, in 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 the Netherlands. Why is that? They don't like share stuff as openly. Or? Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I really don't know what it is. I, maybe it, it has to do something with, uh, with, with Dutch people in, in general, but I, I just I don't know. Yeah, well, there is this forum uh, Massa platform, which is yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it, it's a good community, but it's I don't know somehow not much. Yeah, it's like on an, on an actual forum, you know, like when you used to do back in the day and it's, it, I don't know it's uh, I didn't really feel uh, like like it's a, a community over there but not to throw shade at them but um, yeah I like what's what's happening now is uh, I, I like it yeah yeah me too I see quite some initiatives around from most of them are quite well let's say new makers Mm-hmm. And you see a bit of the, let's say, the old, what do you say, the old guard, the, let's say, the established makers might be a bit yeah. skeptical, but we shouldn't let that discourage us from just try to work together. And uh, I think there's a big benefit in that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, Agreed. bro. A lot faster. Yeah. So ask some knife uh, questions, Keith. Come on. Yeah, I do have a question for him because I was looking at uh, his Instagram earlier and he's got a picture of a Black Widow chef. You know the one I'm talking about? Yeah, I think it's it's uh, probably somewhere on, on top of my page, right? So let's say the yeah, old yeah. black with the feather. You mean the feather right. or like this, this lightning bolt? With the feather. Yeah. Yeah, I, I have an order for two chef knives and... They both want them completely blacked out, and that's like a super dark looking steel. What what kind of steel did you use for that? Uh, this is actually quite a yeah, it's a 
a mix of four different types um might not be the smartest way to to start there um but generally um just a simple carbon steel with a bigger bit of manganese generally turns dark quite a bit so o2 for example or something like 1095 1084 also tends to darken quite nicely mm-hmm. and generally it's just a well that's a big long coffee edge that well that helps with those uh, those steels to get them really nice and dark i think they generally the um, with the with the coffee edge the thing is that well you can get it quite stable the black layer but it always will wear off just a bit or get a bit gray so yeah might yeah be but some that. steels are they don't get as black as that is that from the coffee or it's just the magnesium in the steel no, it's it's yeah. It's also dependent on indeed the yeah, the alloying in the steel. So in that um, that feather knife you were talking about, I play a lot with that. That I get uh, basically a different contrast to get different steels with yeah, which all have their own shade when etching. That's the one you had at the the last knife show, uh, like in Holland, right? Yeah, yeah. that's right pretty awesome uh, looking knife with the horizontal tang you've been doing a lot of horizontal tanks the yeah it's the, just uh, something it's different yeah that that's why i like it i mean it's there's yeah. not really yeah some functional benefit to it but it's it's something that's a bit different and i like that and i mean basically it started with i was making an integral and then Normally I start with the blade and then in the end you have to forge out the the bolster into a tank. And then, well, while you're forging it doesn't really matter if you do it like regularly or yeah, you flip the 90 degrees and do it horizontally. It does make it the rest of it quite a bit more difficult, but well, I, 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 love I like the challenge. How yeah, that feather yeah. like goes into the handle. It's, it's yeah. Uh, yeah, it, flo- it looks like a, like a stem of a flower and then blooms out mm-hmm. into the blade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I, I really like that part. And I, I made a couple of these horizontal tanks and this is something I had in mind for a couple of years. And yeah, it works really well with this pattern. It's, it's, it's not that great, I think, with other Damascus patterns because, well, in that tank you squish out that pattern, you, you stretch it so much it. that it's, you only get lines. But yeah. with this pattern it works really well pretty awesome well i've been a fan of your knife since uh, the, the first thing uh, the first one i saw um what about that big batch tell us something about that yeah well it was actually it's quite an interesting yeah backstory to it i think it started about two years two and a half years ago that i wanted to get a bit more serious into knife making and i just wrote to a local um chef in my yeah, from a restaurant near to me and just to to meet up and to get some feedback on some knives i made so just had an appointment went there with some knives in my head i went would go home with some you know, feedback on the knives i made but the guy was really enthusiastic and he really wanted me to well to work together and to do like a collaboration um, big old batch that was a lot of work i think yeah that's really really, really <laughs> ridiculous or i saw it's, actually it's, it's actually 15 knife sets 
each set has three knives in it and then it has a, a nice case which it uh, is packaged in and I think I spent yeah, a bit over 500 hours on, on, on this entire batch over two years so that was a lot of work and also a lot more than I thought well when I got the order but well you just have to work on it and see it through yeah, if you start you have to finish yeah exactly yeah. and it, it actually it was a great thing just to build skills and muscle memory because you do the same thing over and over and over would, until would you get you, tired uh, of it but you learn a lot from it <laughs> I, I can imagine would you take an order like that again <laughs> no no I don't think so <laughs> <All right. laughs> need a break yeah uh, uh. and the thing is also I, I really like these yeah very special intricate knives that is just it's more one-off stuff I enjoy yeah. making them more so I like to focus more on that and I think it's also a thing that I um, could specialize in because well the more yeah to that level you get the, the, uh, the less competition there is and the less other mm -hmm. knife makers making stuff like that so that yeah that's it's for me more interesting I like it more and I think it's also from a business point of view it's yeah, a good selling point and a way to set you apart I think uh, you're yeah. on the, on the right path definitely yeah, you have a uh, you have one knife that's like a half integral chef it looks like um, with twist pattern in it and you can see like the star pattern running through um, mm -hmm. like seven or eight layers on it and it looks like uh, I, I'm, I don't know how you get the pattern to weld together it looks like long thin strips of a twist pattern that were then welded together or something yeah exactly so I think the one you're talking about is also quite yeah quite recent right yeah so it's um, it's indeed it's yeah it's a multi-bar twist or Turkish twist they call it Mm -hmm. And it's it's indeed constructed out of um, uh, six bars, six bars of twist Damascus, and that's that's also it's quite a challenging pattern to make, and it's it's the first time I did it in this blade, and I Is this to uh, the the last one? Yeah, like you're, on, you're working on now. Uh, uh, no, you just did you finish I, it? I, I just finished it. Yeah, uh, that was it was with the awesome reel you made. It was crazy. And it, it's a challenging, I mean, they're really the idea of that pattern is that you, well, you match these twists from all these six bars very closely that you get a, let's say, a pattern that flows throughout that you don't really see that it's separate bars. And that's something that I like to achieve better in the future. But it's, it's already looks quite, uh, quite good on this one. Yeah, almost like a chain pattern running through it. Yeah. So the reel did very good as well, like in, in numbers. Yeah, exactly. It's just because it's so fucking amazing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, most of the time that works if you have something different, something special. But sometimes, it's sometimes it's really it's you because it's a connect. knife. Yeah. Uh, Instagram doesn't like knives. Very no, much. we are, we are all criminals. Uh, we do all the shady stuff in our basements and garages, etc. So stab weapons of yeah. mass destruction. 
Uh, you are even worse because you all enable us with selling all these steel and all that stuff. So mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you are at least as wo- as bad as we are. Selling the zombie green G10. Supplying the terrorists. Exactly. Yeah. You're like financing ISIS, but then for Knife <laughs> yeah. <Zero>. Knife ISIS. <laughs> Is that the, the title of the show? I yeah. think so, right? That's a good one. Yeah. yeah. We'll put that I think down, uh, 20 minutes, Keith. 52 seconds. <laughs> yeah, and then Keith is going to like uh, find your your worst picture and he's going to put some, how do you call that? Jihab or something. <laughs> That's a, a good nice one. beard and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Let's do that. I always pick good pictures. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, the best ones. So, um, you know, like yes. in, in the, as, as knife makers, like who's your, um, like your... Which which knife maker do you uh, knife makers work do you love the most? Like who's an inspiration I, to you? I think from from early on, uh, Marek or Mamasi was one of a big big inspiration. I think his, his work is really nice and it's yeah, it just really speaks to me. And uh, well, the cool thing is that um, when I started, yeah, it was just something to look at. But I thought, well, I will never get there. But yeah. But I experienced that with with a lot of hard work. Well, you get, you just evolve to to making something that starts to well go in that direction. And um, I think also more recently, I I like the let's say the more art knives. That's something. It's not really that I want to make them, but I really like techniques and patterns and stuff that I see in those. So they 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 start to influence my work a bit. I think. Um, so, so for example, on that that multi-bar twist chef knife we just talked about, um, yeah, yeah. The, let's say the, the the rear end of the the bolster is is yeah normally they are straight, they are parallel, they are what do you call it on a right angle with the with the spine of the knife. But here's something I like to well to give them a flow as well, give them a curve that match the design of the rest. Yeah, that one's and in like a like a 30 degree angle or something with the spine yeah it is and it's also a bit of a, a curve in there I, I, I just i'm looking at it and i think it's, it would be a waste using that knife man it's <laughs> yeah that, that's that's always a bit of a yeah a strange thing because i i really like people using my work i put a lot of effort in making them cut really really well this one i don't know but I, I can imagine that people also yeah. see it as a bit of a waste. But well, to me, that's up to the customer. If they yeah, buy it, course. then I'm happy and they can do whatever yeah. they want with exactly. it. Exactly. Exactly. So do you, do you do you guys know who uh, Charlie Lionheart is? Yes. Yeah, his he, work he is really some, r- ridiculous. It's so makes some uh, crazy angles and and uh, shapes in the bolsters of his yeah. knives. So. Yeah, I thought you might know who that was. Yeah, that, I mean, those transitions he has, it's really, yeah, I can't wrap my head around how he does that. <laughs> yeah, if you follow his um, Instagram page, though, he spends so much time on each individual knife. There's a lot of jigs and setup just yeah. to get your, your Damascus pattern laid out first before you even start. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's I mean, the thing I like about his work is that it's just, it seems that he just let his 
creativity take the lead on on the builds he does. Mm. Um, yeah. He really does things that you don't see much anywhere else, and that's I like that. Tough to sell knives, uh, MP. Um, yeah, yeah. Be working for yourself, making knives like that because you spend so much time. You spend a month making a knife instead of making. Yeah, it's almost knives. not doable. I think, like yeah. business-wise. Yeah. I mean, if it's, you're part-time, it's great. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's something I'm struggling with at the moment as well. Is that um, uh, I'm now I'm a part-time maker, and I like to to work to build towards a full-time maker. But the things I really like to make at this moment, I cannot sell them yet for the price that they should cost, just to to get a decent uh, wage out of it. Yeah, but the, you know, it's it's actually that's kind of a, a thing, you know, because that that Turkish twist uh, knife, that's like the, the it's insane. So it should go for a yeah, like like for exactly. a crazy crazy amount of money, but. But because you're not like one of the famous guys, it it like it's it's hard to sell. Yeah. Is that one but sold already or? No, I haven't put it for sale yet. Um, I'm I'm not sure yet if I will want to to sell it and also a couple of shows that I want to take it um, yeah, and bring it with me too. So I'm not selling it yet. Um, yeah, the thing is, there is a bit of a wealth flaw in that pattern that, well, I'm not sure if it's that big of a deal, but I know it's there. And then I just, I'm oh. uh, yeah, it gets really difficult to, for me to decide what I should do with it. Because that's, on the one hand, I think... That's not yeah, a wealth, wealth flaw that you can see? Well, it is if you know it's there. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> um, now I'm looking, yeah, but, but you yeah. can't see it. It's. I mean, on one end, yeah, no. it's not the big of a deal. On the other end, I like to, yeah, have my work really, really good. With really nothing, yeah. you can. Well, well, if you know it's there, and then you know it's there. It's, yeah. it's a, that's not going out of your mind again. So. No, Maybe and then sure. you have that on one side, and the other side you have all the work that's put in it, and yeah, mm -hmm. the the potential amount of money that you could get from it. But. I think every knife maker sees something like that in their knife or in their work when they finish and yeah you're like your worst your worst own own critic yeah and i think that's actually it's a good thing to you should be your own worst critic yeah because if you cannot see what is wrong with your work then there is no getting better so that's i think that's really important but it's also challenging because they will always a bit disappoint when I finish a knife because I can see what well yeah. what is not perfect and that's something I have to well do you hear that Keith he makes a knife like that and he's disappointed yeah it's crazy yeah, yeah that's <laughs> fucking crazy <laughs> yeah it's also a bit mindset that I maybe should improve or something but uh, it's a good mindset though it yeah it keeps you better. keeps you making yeah. the next one better yeah and that's it's important to me to always well improve and do new things and uh, that's something i really like I'm, I'm gonna ask questions that i already know the answer but the listeners don't so um so what do you do uh what's your day job yeah so as i said i'm making a part-time knife making um and i have a four days a week i have a regular day job um i work in a let's say a heat treatment facility 
we, yeah, we do not only heat treats, but also surface treatment and coatings, etc. And I'm one of the process engineers there in the in that facility. So um, it's a lot of making recipes and working with customers to get well the parts they bring in to the specs they want to have it. So heat treating like the automobile industry, or what are you heat treating? Yeah, so automobile, uh, aerospace, um, food and pharma, and also, yeah, just regular construction companies, etc. Awesome. But mostly it's quite, quite high tech. So, I mean, we basically only have uh, do uh, vacuum heat treating. So in big vacuum furnaces, mm. and. Um, yeah, so, so also no oxygen furnaces. No, indeed. So um, it's it's fully in vacuum. So there's no no decarb, no um, yeah, um, no, no discoloration. There are quite some customers that are really really um, strict on that. That they should well, all the parts should come out really yeah, Uniform metal, all no 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 discoloration at all allowed. Yeah. And also for uh, yeah. for aerospace applications, the, the demands are extremely high. And you have to have everything controlled and very exactly the heat in your furnace mm-hmm. and the heat distribution and the, the cooling rates and um, the times, etc. It's yeah, it's quite so closely what, monitored. All see, he's a metallurgic wizard, basically. Is, is that what got you into knife making because of all the heat treating? background no, yeah, actually it, it was more the way the other way around so i have a mechanical engineering background not really specialized in, in metallurgy but um, i was working in that and um, more in the field of 3d printing um, and yeah so i actually was working on a phd in the university but i yeah, it was not really my thing. I didn't finish that, and I started to look in something else. And I was also already making knives for, I don't know, one or two years maybe. But well, in the Netherlands, there's not really you know, work in professional knife making. There are not really companies doing so. Yeah. And so I just basically applied to this heat treatment company because that's basically you know, something that I found very interesting and. Uh, yeah, something that does have a link with the the knife making. And had Basically. you already started like heat treating at home with your knives before you started working? Yeah, yeah, I did. So basically, I started my own heat treatment from the let's say the beginning of the knife making, because yeah, the, the thing I like a lot is that I had yeah quite a bit of theoretical knowledge when I started knife making. Mm-hmm. And then to combine it with, you know, let's say, practical experience, that's just, uh, it's a cool combination to uh, to have. Just the oven's a little bigger at work. That's all right. Yeah, that's <laughs> <laughs> pretty quite, big. So, quite so big what, big. what does your company do for the food industry? Um, so what we do a lot is um, so all these foods. Um, you know, all kinds of machines processing food. They are generally um, austenitic stainless steels, so 304, mm-hmm. 316, mm-hmm. which are um, 
basically the corrosion resistance is really good mm -hmm. and that's important of course in the food industry can't have a lot of rust in your ketchup for example but, uh, especially ketchup is horrible <laughs> but um the thing is that these 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 stainless steels they are very soft and very um so yeah. especially if you have moving parts etc they they wear a lot or they start mm -hmm. to um to gel so they weld to each other and that's that's uh, basically something yeah that's not desired and we have a let's say a surface treatment that you can harden these um the surfaces of this um, austenitic stainless steel and yeah. that we do that yeah. a lot for food industry yeah we used oh, to do that our, our, the company that i came from they used to do that for some things this is starting to sound familiar matt is this is this the guy who does that uh special coding thing no no you're talking about no, no but i guess i think he knows about it if i mean if he's a bit in the no. it's um you know it's um the process is called a view attack do you know that yeah it doesn't ring a bell what, what, what exactly uh, is it? it's it's water um uh i'm gonna say the dutch word <laughs> it's waterstralen and then um for the food industry sigma. okay so normally, if, if like in stainless steel, like for food, you need um, the the surface roughness can be around 0 0.8, I think. And um, normally, if you sandblast stuff, it, it doesn't, um, you can't get that surface roughness. So you, you, you need like, uh, you need to polish the, mm -hmm. the inside of tanks and stuff. And um, this guy is also like like a professor. He managed to uh, create a way to basically sandblast, but then in water. And uh, that way you can like sandblast your, your, your stainless steel tank from the inside, outside, everywhere. And it'll get a, a nice and even color and um, it's food safe. So no more polishing for uh, stainless steel yeah, that sounds great yeah not, not not familiar with the technology but it sounds really really useful it is no because your uh your dutch word sounds like the german word wasserstrahlen which means yeah uh, water water yeah. jet so yeah we just why. added we just added like uh some like an e yeah, or throw e on the end <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's it that's what we do yep closely related i guess to the german language and the thing that makes it even worse that um, I'm coming from the south of the Netherlands. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> so people like Matt always say that, well, people who live where so I live are basically Germans slang. already. So Hey, they say that about me too. Really? Yeah, <laughs> like I'm, 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 like I'm in the east. I'm in the east. I like I'm, I'm 20, 20 kilometers uh, away from Germany. So. Oh, I'm a little bit close. I'm about 20 minutes away. So. Uh, isn't everyone like around Germany is close to Germany? Twenty minutes by camel. Yeah. <laughs> Twenty minutes away, you American. Stop that. <laughs> hey Matt. Uh have have you seen the new things on Instagram from Baker Forge? He's got Apex Ultra Copper Mile. Yeah, I saw. Now like you never share anything in Baker Forge, but now there's some Apex Ultra in there and yeah, suddenly you're I'm gonna, gonna share that. You're gonna share it. Yeah, no, I saw, I saw it. It's, it's a, uh, it was a very limited run, I think. I didn't. It's gonna be out on Saturday night uh, at like eight thirty. 
Yeah, I, I'll, I'll guarantee you that 8.32, it'll be sold out. I'm, I'm going to stay up if it's in the yeah, Oh, are you going to buy it? Yeah, I'm going to order a box, send it to my parents' house. Then I have to wait till July to get it. But, yeah, well, you'll, you'll have one. So, if you want to, like, um, some business advice, Jeroen, uh, uh, if, if you want to go full-time. Well, sure, let's hear it. <laughs> be, be like Baker Ford and Tool. Go, go, go make bars for people. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I've, I've thought about that and I could do it. I think my shop is not that efficient for it. I actually made oh. some some kumai as well. Uh, I think last year or something. Yeah. But it's 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 really a pain in the ass to forge out with like a, a small press and no rolling mill or something like that. Yeah. So that's it's, it's well, quite I mean, challenging. I, it's, I think you can do. I I think you'd be like a, a, the right guy to to do that. Yeah. I mean I mean I I can do it already. Yeah. I, I made a knife out of it, but. The shitty thing is that the the melting point of copper is quite mm -hmm. low, mm -hmm. and then yeah. it's like let's say on the low end of the forging temperature of most uh, steels. So then you are basically you're forging on low temperature, and then well, shit doesn't yeah. want to move at all. So it's tricky. It really takes a lot of time. Yeah. What do you think about that nickel sh shim uh, stuff? I keep seeing that a lot. Was it stainless shim? How did they do that? Yeah, I think it's probably it's just a, a let's say nickel, thin layer of nickel or maybe nickel foil. It's just think, like a diffusion layer. Yeah, I think it's actually it's quite a good idea because that copper really likes to diffuse into the steel, mm -hmm. and a bit is okay because that means just a stronger bond between the steel and the the copper, but it also tends to make the steel a bit brittle, so you don't want to have too much copper diffusion into your steel. Mm. Um, yeah, I'm not not sure how bad it is if it's not really close to the edge, but it's it's safe to have that nickel shim in there to well to prevent too much copper diffusion into your steel. And it also, it looks cool in my opinion. It looks nice. So. Yeah, 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 it looks very cool. Yeah, it does. Is it is it more difficult with uh, with brass than it is with copper? Yeah, well, the brass melting point is, is, is even lower than copper. Even lower, so right? Yeah. What about gold? Um, gold is, is, I don't know, I think close to copper or maybe a bit higher. So you... I've, well, I've, oh, this um, Dennis Terrell. Do, do you follow him? Yeah, yeah, stop it. He's not the first one, though. I'm uh, not saying he's the first one. <laughs> I'm not he saying, saying it. He, he keeps yeah. saying he's the first one. No, but you, uh, yeah, I have to look up the gold vein knives. I think it's something from, yeah, from eating Tobias tools. Hangler. Yeah, and oh. that they they already did that. And I mean, I think it's just like a fancy selling point. It looks cool. Yeah, yeah it's, sure it's, it's like look at yeah, what it's I did. Really expensive. I think it was like forty thousand for that knife. Oh, really? holy shit! But did it? Was it the attention to make like a small batch or something or? No, I think th I think they made three so far. One okay. sold, and Tobias has one, and I can't remember who the second guy was that was in Goldvein. Mm. So, um, but Keith, it's like if it didn't happen in America, it didn't happen. Yeah, so, right. 
Actually, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna take that back because I don't think I've heard Dennis Tyrell say he was the first, but I've heard no, a lot he of other people. Say, yeah, a lot of yeah. other people say that he was the first. Dennis Tyrell would never like take credit for something that someone else already did. No, and also there are, there aren't really that much well first things in knife making anymore. Uh, yeah, yeah. Only so many ways you can make a blade, so that's it's really difficult to really do something new. Yeah, but back to making it full time with like selling Damascus, I think like the the best selling point that Baker has is like a nice clean billet with yeah. like a little pre etch so you can see everything. That's like yeah. a, a huge difference. A lot of people that sell Damascus, you just get uh, the scale all over it. You got to straighten it out. And you got to grind it yourself and. He, he, they, uh, yeah, they grind it down now. They they surface grind it. Yeah, they have a blanchard grinder, so you get like a like a rough finish. I don't know what it would be like, 120 grit finish or something with an edge, so you can see what it is, or 240 something similar. Yeah, yeah. yeah they, they don't do that. Um, they, I think they just started doing that. They didn't always do that, right? Uh, I think they did. Did do really? Hmm. Okay. Well, maybe I'm talking out of my ass then. Maybe, probably. <laughs> but I, I do think it's a good idea to well, with it. If you're making um, Damascus for stock removal guys, then it should be really yeah. flat, cleanly ground, straight. Because well, most I mean, of the people who are buying are doing stock removal anyway. Yeah. Or people that can't forge themselves, so they need no, it. I mean, like you said, hundred percent. If you forge, it's not a big deal. But if you stock removal maker, and especially if you're relatively new, then it's just it's such a hassle to work with crooked material, and it just should be straight. I think that's a big uh, selling point. Yeah. Do you have any shop upgrades that you're uh, you're looking at? Yeah, I recently bought a, a surface grinding attachment for my belt grinder, so that's oh, something yeah. I got. Actually, I think, yeah, end of last year. So it's actually from, uh, uh, you know, Oliver Tobin from Tobin yes. Machines. Yeah. I'm not sure how it's, it's his, called. It's his friend. It's your buddy. They're all, they're all friends. <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah, it's, it's actually quite a nice machine. And he, well, he made it, well, to fit my grinder because um, I have this, this uh, from Clarix Metalworks. And yeah. they already have, I think, for at least a year, they have a coming soon surface grinding attachment on the website, but I'm not sure if there's anything coming. Uh, so he made his fit onto, onto the, that grinder. Yeah, actually, uh, Oliver made it fit. I just sent photos and measurements and drawings, and yeah. he just made it fit on there, so that's, that's really nice. Hmm. So and that's I, the first time you had a surface grinder? Yeah. yeah. I actually, I used it now quite a lot for Damascus making. Because it's it's really nice if you do a restack, then that everything is nice and clean and flat. That yeah. you don't have gaps in your billets, uh, stuff like do you, that. Do you just use like a thirty-six grit, or? Yeah, I think mostly I did sixty grit finish, which is fine for forge for stacking. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. And if it's it's a more critical weld, then I do one twenty. Oh, okay. But I'm I'm not sure if it's really needed. I think it's of course it's better, but mm. I'm not sure you can always overdo to, it yeah i like to have a bit of peace of mind especially <laughs> in, the, in, the, in the later stages of a damascus build because there's so much work and money going down the drain if you fuck up one of the last welds so let, let, let's not do that hmm. yep. yeah surface grinder is a awesome attachment like yeah 
you don't know how much you need it until you get one. Then you use it yeah, all the time. Yeah, exactly. The only thing is that I I, I had planned to um, use it more for actually the knife making itself after the forging. But I also plan to do more of these integral bolsters. And then you have this shitty bolster that's always in the way, so you can't really <laughs> slap it on a surface grinder. And it's, I mean, maybe I could, but yeah, just have to look at it. And I, I also got from from um, Oliver Tobin, I got this, actually, I don't know what he calls it, but it's... Um, the S-grind attachment. No, it's the... Um, oh, fuck, I have to look up. It's, it's like... Um, for sending plunge lines and also for this integral oh the waterfall pattern yeah, yeah exactly yeah, yeah, but yeah. The, the one he has it's it's like a waterfall with a couple of different yeah. radius but it also yeah, has yeah. this um, combination of a flat platen with a, a small wheel yeah, i have the same one so that's it's, it's for oh. integrals it's really nice it's, uh, it's a great upgrade for my because I, I used to did this front transition of the bolster. I did it on the flat platen and a lot of sculpting and a lot of shit. A lot and of practice, this, yeah. Yeah. And, and also way too many hours of hand sanding. Yeah, that jig saves a lot of time. Yeah. yeah. So actually I used it first on that, uh, the multi-bar twist blade. And yeah, I will use it now, I think, on any every knife I make. So mm-hmm. that's a good upgrade. Yeah, as for the for the uh, bolster transition where the where you made the half integrals, uh, back to Charlie Lionheart, he just showed a video of how he uh, made a jig for that. Okay. So use a, a jig and on on a regular tool rest. It's like one, two, three blocks and a couple spaces in between it, and then your knife goes in the middle. It looks kind of bulky, but as, once you get it on the um, on the work rest, you can get all your angles even on each side. It looked like a really good idea. Yeah, I think that's really nice. I mean, Danny has like. You have something square to start the, with. Yeah, the, 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 I think the side of the blade is, is really the reference. That's where it clamps. Yeah. So what, yeah, exactly. what I do now is that I um, I intentionally do quite thick bolsters. They are um, so they are straight and parallel um, when when I when I start all the grinding, mm-hmm. so that I have well um, nice flat surfaces that I can use as a let's say a guide to grind other things. Yeah. And then only on the end, when I finished all the bolster shaping, then I just taper these sides and make it smaller so that I get a nice size. But I use just uh, make them just uh, quite big and flat just to have nice reference surfaces. But that would not be necessary with that Charlie line out the jig. I don't know, yeah. actually. I have to look if I can buy it or ship it. or that it will cost does, he sell the, does he sell the jig? I don't know. I think I saw something about batch work, but I'm not sure if it's oh. actually for Keith, that. Do you know anything about that? No, I don't, I don't know if it's for sale. Uh, at least in these pictures that I saw, it looked like it was something he was still working okay. out. Seems like a good idea. Maybe you can get him in your shop. Mm. So you got a few days before this episode comes out to be the first one to ask. Yeah, and the thing always with jigs is that. I think it's really difficult to make a useful jig that's also relatively universal. Because if you have a very good jig that is, yeah, it's a very narrow, very little thing you can do with it, then yeah, 
mostly yeah, it might just, not it, even be useful for me because yeah, it's just for one purpose yeah 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 sometimes it's just easier to do it freehand if you've been doing it long enough yeah because also all my grinding i do freehand and that's certainly not the easiest way to do it but i need you to do freehand it because everything yeah not everything but the bevel grinding and the yeah hollows etc via freehand all of that yeah. because yeah there's always this bolster in the way and it's like an angle transition so no no i mean I'm, I'm all for it and if you can do it by hand i think that's the best way but who am i i'm not a knife maker it's, it's certainly the most <laughs> versatile way but hmm. it also depends on what kind of knives you make if you can use jigs or not or yeah like if, you, if you're making like a batch of 15 sets of three then you might you might want to consider a jig <laughs> you might want to i i didn't but i think it would have been a good idea yeah that's for sure probably. you didn't use any jigs for all those sets you made no not really no. let me think no that's crazy like, right uh, like all the handles and everything too all freehand yeah i mean yeah okay there's a, a small jig i use for the handles just um, like basic square up yeah, so it's basically I square up my table to the to the flat platen on the grinder and then use kind of a 45 degree holding thingy that just... Mm, yeah. So I start with a nice square handle block and then it's really easy to make like an uh, octagon shape for these handles. See Matt, that's a jig that a lot of knife makers have, but they're all like handmade, they just make their own. Yeah. And it's just like a 45 degree around. angle. Yeah, it's just like a, everyone makes them out of angle iron, right? Yeah, like, me uh, too. Yeah. 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 Well, make me a sketch, Keith. I told you a million times. <laughs> but I thought that you guys had quite some plans on upcoming knife shows too. Well. Yeah, he's coming to Holland. Nice. Look, yeah. Looking forward with to all, that. With all yeah, this shit. Of, <laughs> speaking of that, man, I looked at that today. Uh, it's 860 kilometers for me. Nice. It's like nine hours and 20 minutes. Now, is that too far to, to say like, I'll, uh, that's like a nine hour drive or now all of a sudden you can do kilometers? Yeah, I don't know. I've never been that far on a camel, so I can't tell you how long <laughs> it takes. <laughs> uh, it's going to be a one that. But you, know, you, you committed, so you have to go. Yeah, it's too late. I already got the table, right? Yeah. I think that Dutch knife exhibition is really great for selling to makers because actually I'm not not sure but at least for me I really don't sell any knives there just a lot of people say oh well there's nice stuff but yeah let me all hold the, that all that there's so many makers there who just like to buy steel yeah. and blocks of yeah. wood and stuff yeah. so. it's, uh, I, I don't know what you're used to like in knife shows it's not it's not like a really big one but everyone that's there is like a maker and ready to about. yeah that, that's what most shows are yeah at least half the people there are makers themselves looking for ideas and mm -hmm. they pick up like a block of wood or here or there or some material when they see something they like so you don't um, are you going to any other nice shows yeah so this year um start off the dutch knife exhibition and i go to solingen yeah actually I've, I've never been there before also not as visitor so yeah. i'm looking forward so you got a table to, already? to that one yeah I think if I make kitchen knives, then that's really the place to be here in Europe because. Yeah, yeah we're going too. Also, big table combined, yeah. you two. Yeah. 
Yeah. And we have uh, the biggest one they got. I think it's 20 square meters. Nice. Like a, a booth. So. Go big or go home. Send them an email. Tell them you want to be next to Matt. They organize us all okay, together. Uh, yeah, we'll be next yeah, to Huber and Martin Huber and yeah. uh, who else? Um, stock removal, forge or what? <laughs> he talks too much, man. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> <laughs> no, Chris. Chris will be there from Forge Works. Um, I think Spear and Knives is going to be there, and Ben Halbauer will be at his table. Yeah, yeah, Elf Knives. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you guys have way more. Uh, this is what what basically we're trying to do, to do with the, the Dutch knife artisans as well. That that community that you guys have, you know, who were you and all yeah. the other guys? Yeah, we go we go to the show. There'll be like ten or twelve of us yeah, right next to each other. Uh, that's that's basically what we're creating. Of where it's I'm not an, 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 I'm just like a member, but. Um, yeah, that's what we're trying to get here as well. And I, I think it's working. In, in Austria, there are also quite some very good makers and they're also quite closely working together. Mm. And there's one shitty knife shop over there. <laughs> <laughs> Where was that? Austria. I don't know. Uh, no, never heard of them. Yes, I'm a link. Yeah, and so for still looking for a third show next year uh no sorry this year you went to france last year right yeah um so i went to to paris it was actually was quite a nice show but well it's a bit more focused on on uh, folding knives but actually quite a high level there quite some very good guys also from all around the world so it was really good to connect with them and to just look at work that's really good and it's quite a lot of steps above my level so that's good for the inspiration mm. so have you have you made a folding knife before no i haven't and i don't really i don't know it's <laughs> it's not my kind of thing i just get nervous with everything so precise and so small so oh man i fo some i follow some of these guys and i just look at them making it and i'm like oh my god all that figly stuff i just yeah. I don't it's actually it's um a good friend of mine, uh, Josef Hans, nice Dutch name, but he's mm -hmm. a folding knife maker. He makes slip yeah. joints, and yeah. he's really, he's really good at it. I think he makes really, yeah, really nice work, really well Very finished. Very good stuff. And it's it's funny because I've been to his shop and it's right really like two square meters, and it was like a washing machine underneath yeah. his workbench and stuff like that. But he just makes the most amazing knife from there, and it's all. For everything he has like a little jig and little small thing he, he, th he thought of so that's it's really yeah, that's cool like, and it, it yeah folding knife guys make lots of jigs lots of uh they're like tools. wizards but they're like uh, like like other wizards yeah yeah I, 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 that's like the that's the reason why i bought a surface grinder but i still <laughs> haven't finished a pocket knife i got like a pile of six yeah, I, I feel like uh what do you say like a caveman <laughs> if i compare with those guys because I'm not that precise at all. Maybe I should be, but I don't think so. I think uh, like like the the knives you're making is more of a a talent almost. I don't know how how to it, like you say you're freehanding your um, the, the like the steel um, uh, like making that Damascus. It's it's not all just uh, measuring and knowing exactly what what where to go it's also like a talent like a gut feeling or something 
Yeah, I think it's a nice mix of two because mm-hmm. um, I do like to well to to work in a bit of creativity and to just figure it out along the way. But I also do quite a lot of planning and measuring and planning out up front because in the end I think it's yeah. If you want to have a nice result on a really complex build, then you really have to because otherwise there are way too many points along the way where you can screw up and uh, really get something weird out of it. Hmm. But then on the other hand, you have this, yeah, these, for example, these folding knife makers, which would be really precision machining and a lot of engineering. Uh, stuff yeah, like that's that. awesome too, like in its own way. It's yeah, pretty, are, pretty cool. really impressive. So I have one guy on the, I mean, the symposium we talked about at the beginning and he's giving a lecture there. He's actually quite a young Belgian maker. And it's really, his work is so impressive and so well thought Name drop him because I, I want to invite him as well. Um, his name is yeah. Simon Strijkers. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to so put, put him on a list, Keith. Yeah. He's, he's a really friendly guy, really modest, but his work is really good. Yeah, I think he was at the knife show as well, right? Last well, which, year. Which show? The Dutch one. Yeah, I think I'm not sure. Um, he I is there he often. At least he, I'm not sure if as he a had guess. a table last year. No, he didn't have. I think he was there just as a as a visitor. Yeah. Yeah. And um, we, we talked. We shook hands. I think. Yeah, he's a great great maker as well, and he's. It's also really nice I've been to his shop as well and then he has like a CNC machine but it's really something I think he took an old milling machine and really converted him himself to a CNC with uh, all the actuators and stuff and it's uh, pretty awesome it's, mm-hmm. yeah. so that's yeah it's really impressive the work what he does and it's his knives are really really well thought of but they are still very useful. They are really meant to be used in the outdoors and, and stuff like that. And they are like simple, but so clean and so beautiful. So I really, really can enjoy that. Some of your Damascus would be great for those folder guys. <laughs> yeah. You probably get, you probably get pieces big enough that you cut out that they could use for yeah, a Yeah, that's actually the funny stuff. So the, uh, Joseph, I mentioned a little earlier, he, a lot of, off cuts I have, I can I can do anything with them, yeah. and I give it to him, and he makes two knives out of it or something like that. So <laughs> yeah. it's really, yeah. really funny. So I always have pieces left over, and I just give it to them, and it's it's also really cool to see. Well, um, let's say the same steel I made in a really different application. Like uh, the the one man's trash is another man's. Uh, how do you say that? Treasure. Yeah, exactly. So. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm still waiting on that, but I don't want to pressure him at all. But he's making a, a falling knife out of the the feather pattern we just talked about earlier. Oh. So I'm really looking forward to what that yeah. will look like. Hurry up, man. We want to see it. No, no, no just... <laughs> if you just give him his time and then suddenly <laughs> a couple of months, you just later, something really, really impressive stuff just came out of nowhere. But... Uh, <laughs> He's just working on it, so let it, let him do his thing. That's that's it's really yeah. cool to see. And also the same goes with scrap wood and handle material. Um, don't know if you know um, a beat fabric. Willem is the guy from the Netherlands who makes all kind of beads and stuff like that. Oh yeah, yeah. 
And um, every time I see him at a knife show, I just give him a box of offcuts from handle material that are really useless to me, but yeah. well, he makes all kind of cool stuff from yeah, it. Yeah, he can so use them. I like that. Yeah. Uh, oh. Nice. So Matt, you're ready for uh, for the one of our skits here? Is it, uh, did you it's like also the new one you were talking about? No, no, that one's uh, oh, not ready yet. Fucking lazy. Yeah. yeah, this this one. Welcome to Wanker of the Week. 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 Very nice. Very nice. It's kind of. That's what your microphone started sounded like Shut when we first the started. Front door. <laughs> Wake yeah, up, man. Yeah. Moving. What is it? Moving. Moving. Buying into companies, you know, moving shops. It's terrible. I, I'm not gonna explain anymore. I did it like I was whining like a little bitch in the beginning of the uh, of the episode. So that. Yeah, this is like the third third time you use you talked about something and then use it as wanker of the weekend. Yeah, sorry, but it's just it's Super just um, it's keeping me uh, it's 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 uh, annoying the, the hell out of me. So every like every other wanker of the weekish thing that um, comes by, it it's just it's I don't even see it because this this move is so bad. <laughs> so, so we had. Uh, we had the uh, guys from Salzburg on mm -hmm. last week, right? You oh, they're both talking about makers of the week. Because they, he's, they're supposed to be making uh, finishing knife ices for yeah. them, remember? Yeah, well, Our, guess what happened? <laughs> Those lazy bastards. <laughs> no, 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 no. He wrote me like two hours before the show and said that they're finished, so he can't be wanker of the you, week. they're not in your show. No, I don't have him here. Do you yeah, have proof? I, th I bet he just sent you a text like they're done, but they're actually working on it now. Yeah, he might so have, yeah. I'd, I'd reconsider your wanker of the week. But... Yeah, that was going to be my wanker of the week, but he says they and finished it. Like know. six hours of work, Keith. Editing. Uh, now, I'm yeah, reversing. But it was I'm a good show. Yeah, it was a very good show, but they're both wankers of the week. You you, you got to go see their, uh, their setup with all the power hammers and yeah. stuff. It's crazy. Well, it's, like, how far is that? It's, 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 I probably, it's just the same as, as you coming to... Uh, 860 like kilometers. That, yeah. You're almost in Italy. Hey, speak, speaking of Italy, should we go through the list? Why? Is there an Italian in there? <laughs> no, you know me. I get it all screwed up. It's supposed to be. Uh, <laughs> it's the same. It doesn't matter. Do we have a new one? The same thing. It's all the same. Yeah, you know yeah, how we should American be happy. Yeah, it's, it's all the same. The same. Outside of America, it's all, it's all like Americans are not are non-Americans. We got uh, Christoph Stiegler from Kanji Knives, Sven from Nord Artesian, uh, Johan Fagelin from Fagelin Bladesmith. Travis Haynes from Bird Forge, Roy Rutten, Mark Vanderwerf from 118 Blades. Uh, unfortunately, I, I was going to edit out that France music from, from Ben here because I think it's not getting funny anymore, so I'm going to attempt to pronounce number seven, Chez d'Argent. Chez d'Argent. And then we got uh, two new ones. We got, <laughs> we got uh, Albert Angelbanger 
Angleberger from Salzburg Messerschmied from mm-hmm. the last episode. And we got Paul Balletta from hey. We've been texting back and forth, Mr. Balletta. Yeah. Yeah, he's yeah, a good guy. He's interested in some stuff. We did a little trade. I got him got him a small vice and he gave me a, one of his rattle um EDC oh, names. So he's into oh anyway, shit. So. You shouldn't tell me that. He's gonna start forging. Yeah, we should tell him. Yeah, he we, needs a forge. Sh- I know. You shouldn't tell me all that stuff. Because now <laughs> I'm probably gonna trade half of it for knives. <laughs> uh, yeah, he likes to trade. Uh, I like deal. trading as well. It's terrible. I'm not making any money because of it. Yeah, I got a pile of knives. Yeah, <laughs> it's just so easy, you know. It's like business money, and then you're like, oh yeah, well, what the fuck. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so, you you're still here? Yes, yes I am. Do you have a wanker of the week? Yeah, I was thinking about that while you were just, well, cussing yeah. at all your wankers. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I, even though it sounds quite whiny, but I think that should be the cold weather. Because oh, yeah. it really, really sucks to make knives in a really cold shop. Oh, it's terrible, my, isn't it? Mine has no insulation whatsoever, yeah. so everything is frozen in there and like the... The swath bucket on the grinder and the cooling bucket and everything is frozen. And I had to, to grind out two knives, I think yesterday. But yeah, you can't use gloves and you still have to cool every time. So you're just working out two hours with wet fingers in minus four degrees. It's or terrible, man. I'll join in on that. I, I, I tried to pour ribbon burners at this temperature. Guess what? <laughs> that doesn't... It doesn't work. <laughs> so that's and it's horrible because they they're like half ass hard. It's just terrible to get everything out so I can reuse the. It was horrible. Yeah, it's it's just uh, it was a mess. Ugh. Well, I, I I work outside a lot uh, for mm-hmm. my regular job, but unfortunately, or good for me, I don't I don't know what it's like to be in a cold shop. Mine's heated. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine doing that. Everything, all the machines and steel and everything you touch is freezing yeah. cold. That's what real men do, uh, Keith. That's not fun anymore. That's what real men do. They just do that. They, but you, you work for a heating company, right? Or coolers. You have like a heater everywhere. Yeah, exactly. And the thing is, in the winter, you just want the shop to be warm. And yeah. then in the summer it's 30 degrees and you're sweating your ass off and then you want yeah. it to be colder and just... And it's it's really a Dutch thing as well because we're this, we are always complaining about the weather. Yep. Always. It's never, never good. I think it's complaining in general. That's something we really like to do. Yeah. <laughs> and if we have nothing to complain about, then we complain about the fact that we have nothing to complain about and then exactly. we have to again. Well, you can join that knife group and complain about each other. <laughs> <laughs> so any plans for the weekends or the next week for you guys uh, I don't want to talk about it <laughs> <laughs> it'll be more moving Matt's moving you're yeah. going to a bigger different shop a bigger shop or no, we're, we're having a go- uh, it's with the with the, the, the main company and um, <clears throat> we're uh, the goal is uh, Saturday of uh, Monday so coming Monday um, we have to be in, in production. So no matter what, this weekend, everything gets installed and ready. And uh, Yeah. The final yeah. sprint. Yep. 
So uh, how many guys you got helping mm -hmm. you move? Yeah, just you. No, it's it's me, the companion, <laughs> and the, the guy. But in the weekend, like maybe my dad comes like uh, to help out. But it's it's just gonna be us probably. Yeah, yeah. we already like the, like the bulk of the material is 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 uh, is there. We, we like it, it's also because it's been like three three or four weeks now of moving, and um, yeah. It's just the end of the line. Like, like whenever the end is near, you're just it's, it's getting tougher. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be busy. Uh, I got hammers and file guides to do yeah. this weekend. How many hammers are you gonna make? Uh, I got like twenty of them ready and twenty file guides, but we'll see how. What many do you I use for straightening your knives, Ayrun? I have a. Um... I just recently have this carbide tip hammer. Unfortunately, oh. not the Newark thing, but uh, some kind of thing I got from Etsy. But it works Does well. It work? Yeah, it works quite well. I mean, it straightens quite easily. Um, yeah, it does leave some dents. And you have to grind them out, but you don't have to grind out. too much of it. Yeah. So this this big batch were all Newark stainless steel knives, which is yeah not the toughest steel out there so i tried to straighten some blades in a three-point setup in my vise and broke two of them so Ugh. then i had enough of that and used this carbide hammer but and did you break any with the no, hammer not at all i Works think that's well. it's only okay i'll i'll i i got you Keith. <laughs> i think only amateurs break hammers with a, a break knives with the carbide tip don't you think I think it's impressive if you can break him. See? It's it's good job. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah, cuz uh, well, I mean I haven't straightened 100 knives with it, but I've never broke one. Uh, yeah, anything. and like 50%, that's like half of your knives gone. So Yeah. Yeah. It's, it seems, seems like, like they're just smashing it with the wrong hammer or whatever. Yeah. Maybe not swing it like a forging hammer because <laughs> gentle taps that'll do it. A lot of small taps. Yeah. But luckily for most of my, let's say, my regular knives, I don't really need to do much straightening. I mean, if you normalize an anneal enough and also after quenching go straight between aluminum plates, it's, yeah. it works fine. And if I have to do a bit of straightening, <coughs> I do it in the temper and then mostly everything is sorted. Cool. And also most of my grinding I do after uh, heat treatment. Especially on this long thin. You grind it at full thickness. Yeah, I, I eat. I eat, treat it at full thickness, and then um, yeah, then grind from there. Might be a bit harder on abrasives, but well, if that saves me any warp or stuff like that. Uh, he has a new supplier, so no, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna be like the the grinding belt king here in the Netherlands, right? Uh, I don't. I hope not, actually. Why, why is that? I mean, it's, no, abrasives. Like, ask Keith why he's not selling abrasives. Why is that, Keith? Because Matt sells him. He's because Matt sells him. He just likes to complain. I don't like to complain. It's just, it's just you're doing it for the knife makers. If you want to make money, you're not gonna sell abrasives. Abrasives. So that's why Keith is not doing it. Well, I think all the makers want to want to nickel and dime you and just buy from some guy in Poland who does it. One euro cheaper or something. 
yeah, the, the thing is, um, you, you can only make money in, in the race if, if you sell to companies like mine. Yeah, that's that's yeah. where the money is, and it's not. So you only touch them yeah. once. Yeah, it's a lot of work. You got people buying five belts, or one belt, or two, and you, you got to box them, package them, fit them together somehow. And there's no and there's no margin. If you, if you like, uh, it's just like you have to give them away. And if they only like buy like five belts only, then shipping takes all all your margins away. Yep. Yep. It's just like a big truck cartel, right? All the yeah. money is it? Yeah, so especially three M. Especially three M. Yeah, really. Three M is the worst. Yep. The but worst. what are what are things for you that are most profitable to to sell as a let's say uh, knife forges. supply shop? Forges and grinders. Yeah, this this Apollo forges look really nice. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that will be my upgrade for forging in the future. Yay! We we have to find figure something out for your shop to make like a special rolling stand. Yeah, just just get me a bigger shop that will work well. Yeah, well, you're welcome, but it's it's a far drive. You can you can hang out in mine. I have space. Yeah, we we're actually looking for a new house with a bit more space, but also would be nice if it would be close to our current house, and that's a bit bit tricky. Mm. And also and not paying way too much money for it. That's what you're doing if you buy now. Yep, exactly. Yeah, it's a. It's terrible. I don't, how's that over there, Keith? It's crazy. It's crazy. It's yeah, insane. Yeah, it's the same here. It's, it's just yeah. fucking insane. But, uh, the shop I have now is like a one-car garage right next to our house in the middle of, a, let's say, what do you call this? Residential Street. area. Yeah. So, yeah. luckily, no complaints from neighbors, but I try to keep the noise a bit down and also keep the noise down in a bit crazy hours but it would be nice to live somewhere where you, you gotta put some me. rubber on your anvil that, that'll that take all the noise out on, on top or on the bottom <laughs> on the top <laughs> that'll work yeah there's one more skit i think yeah and i was gonna suggest that one yeah. more. wrap it up hour and 15 minutes we're getting better man we're forgetting time <laughs> i know Okay, I'll I'll have one question for both of you. Go ahead. All right, then it can't be that bad. Are you, do you know what's coming, Jeroen? He's laughing. I have no clue, but I'm sure it's, it it's a fun. it's a gross or a disturbing would you rather question, and you have to answer. Okay, go ahead. Would you rather chew on a mouth on a mouthful of your own toenails or a mouthful of someone else's hair? <laughs> not sure if there's a big difference oh man that's such a tough one can, can I choose the person for the hair or is that a, a, no, it's, a sign at no. random <laughs> it's no. yeah, where, where's the hair coming it's, it's from it's someone else's hair it doesn't say okay so it's like uh, you get like three boxes and you have to pick one and then it's surprise what hair it is yeah and it's like a mouthful don't forget that that's a lot of hair yeah, all right, I'm I'm gonna answer. I'm going for the toenails because hair is nasty, and I can't imagine like if I have one hair stuck in my mouth, it drives me nuts. So I can't imagine a handful yeah. of it. I'm going for the because and they're my own toenails, so it's, it's I know yeah, it's gross, I, but yeah. still, that's better I, than someone else's hair. I think that's the that's the best one in the, the toenails. 
your own toenails. Okay. That was, do you want another one, Keith? Just for you? Uh, yeah, why not? Go, let's do it. I mean, it was a, it was a great show till we got to the toenails here. Yeah. <laughs> here, here goes. Would you rather swim in a pool of your own bodily pus, or run through bodily pus, or run through a field of rotting corpses? Uh, you have to swim like in a pool of it. That's just that's, that's it's insane. Yeah. I'll run to a field of rotting corpses every day. Yeah, I'll be running behind you. What what do we do, you? Yeah, let's do the corpses then. Mm -hmm. It's like, like, uh, like, get, like getting uh, your feet dirty style. and not to rest. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, might be a bit of a Walking Dead episode, and then yeah. uh, would be fun. I would love that. But I like the variety in the subjects you cover in your podcast. <laughs> it's really refreshing. <laughs> we try. Yeah. I, especially if someone's not like actively listening. <laughs> this is always a good surprise. Yeah, from, like, whoa, that escalated quickly. From Turkish twist Damascus to toenails. We got it yep, all. That covers it. I think so. That would also be a good name, by the way. No. Turkish twist. From, from Turkish twist to toenails. Uh, for the podcast yeah. well what was the other one it was something like ISIS knife making I don't know something what was yeah. it oh he, he's put a timestamp on it it'll be good Keith will handle it he's the assistant so Jerome where can we find you or our listeners find you well you can go to Instagram at Knippenberg Knives so it's K N I double P E N B E R G. And yep. that's the same name I use on my website, so knippenbergknives.com. Knippenberg knives everywhere. For any of our listeners, that knife with the uh, Turkish twist is still for sale. Everything's got a price. So Everything <laughs> got a price. So make me know for you. I cannot refuse and yeah. we'll, we'll figure it out. That's you right. Did it after all the shows. There we go. Okay, man. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks a lot. It was a lot of fun. So Yeah, thanks uh, for joining us. A nice evening like this. Yeah. Well, have a yeah. good one. You too. Have, have fun with your toenails. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Thanks to all our Patreons too. We'll talk to you guys next week. Okay. Bye. Okay, thanks <laughs> Bye. guys. Bye. Bye.